Welcome back to Twigs on the Rocks. I'm Leo Blodner. This is Abe Lovich, and in this episode, we will be recapping the NHL from February 24th to the 28th by going over the news, stats, standings, our biggest winner and loser of the week, team of the week, question of the week, and more. Abe, want to get us started with the news? Yeah, I'm going to get us started right off with the injury report. Linus Olmark is out at least a month with a lower body injury. Rama Sandin suffered a fractured foot, and he will be evaluated in mid-March. And also, Jeremy Lazarin suffered a fractured left hand while playing at Lake Tahoe and will be reevaluated in four weeks. So those are big losses across the board, especially to Buffalo when you lose a, go- a goalie. And then also, Jeremy Lazarin has been great with Boston, but hopefully he'll be coming back soon. Yeah, Lozon playing top-line minutes with McAvoy. Bruins, they were uh, they had Zaboral, Lozon, Miller, and Grislyk all out. They had some nice young defensemen stepping up, but they really needed some other defensemen, which they did uh, acquire by getting Jared Tindori from waivers from Nashville. So that should help them in the future, you know, with some depth defensemen, especially with a depleted blue line right now. In some other news, the Penguins claim Mark Friedman off waivers from Philadelphia. And in some really good news, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is back skating, um, not like practice practice, but he was with like Perron and just like skating around. So that's really good for him. Great for the Blues. Have him get back. Yeah, that's great for him. And also in a little bit sadder news, Claude Julien has been fired. Currently, Dominic Ducharme the, is going to be the interim head coach for the time being. And but we're gonna to touch up on that with our question of the week later. Yeah, and and some other good news. We got Mike Smith. Uh, he breaking records here, or kind of breaking records. He's second goalie all time to start a season six zero and zero after being thirty eight plus years old. So good for Mike Smith. You know, nice little bounce back year. Good for him. Yeah, that's very impressive. But on some other things that are impressive is um, leading the league in goals, which we are going to go over to our goal leaders for our next segment. And I'm just going to get it kicked right off. Austin Matthews is leading the league still with 18 goals. Then Connor McDavid has 14 goals. Brock Bozer has 12. And Tyler Toffoli also has 12. And then Mark Schleife, Nikolaj Ellers, Logan Kutcher, and Dustin Brown all have 11 goals tied for fifth place. I mean, I think the biggest surprise here, we got Dustin Brown with 11 goals. Dustin Brown was, I mean, his his prime was really like early 2010s when they won the Cups. You know, later on, he, he stopped playing as well, but that's just like, he's getting older, it's whatever. But I, he's tied for what, like fifth or something? Yeah, fifth? Yeah. No, fifth. He's tied for fifth in goals. And, I mean, that's just great for him. It's great for the Kings. We talked about last week, the Kings really bounced back, and a big part of that is Dustin Brown. Yeah, he has been playing absolutely phenomenally. Yeah, now we're going to move on to the assists. In first place, we got Connor McDavid with 26. Second, we got Dreisaitl with 24. Third, we got Marner with 22. Fourth, we got Patrick Kane with 21. And tied after that, we got Anze Kopitar and Quinn Hughes, tied with 19. Yeah, really no surprises across the board there. Connor McDavid leading the pack. But it seems like his lead has been shorted a a little bit, but he's still way up there. Yeah, also going to move on to points now. In first place with points, you guessed it, Connor McDavid with 40. Leon Dreisaitl right behind him with 34. Mitch Marner in third with 32 points. Then Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane are both tied for fourth place with 31 points so far. 
Yeah. We got McDavid, obviously, leading the pack here. Huge lead over his teammate, Dreisaitl, who gets a lot of points off McDavid. McDavid, a lot of points off Dreisaitl. And then, of course, we got uh, Marner and Matthews, of course, getting all these points off each other. And then we got Kane. You know, Kane's really carrying the load for the Blackhawks. I think if they can sneak into the playoffs, he might be a hard candidate. You know, he pretty much wheeled the Blackhawks in the playoffs, and he can do that. Yep, they don't call him playoff Kane for nothing. Yeah. All right, next we're going to move on to the save percentage. We got seven games played minimum because there's a couple goalies that played one game and got shut out. So it's just a little confusing. So we just made a seven-game minimum. First place, we got Marc-Andre Fleury with a .941. Second place, we got Vasilevsky with a .938. Third, we got Mike Smith, which we previously talked about, with .934. Next up, we got Brian Elliott with a .931. And then after that, we got Jake Allen with a .929. You know, uh, we see three backup goalies here really carrying the load. For their teams, and then obviously Vasilevsky and Flurry having career years, just have playing phenomenally. Yeah, Flurry has been playing so well so far, and I think a lot of it has to do with like the recent goalie talk of him maybe being traded and Robin Leonard stepping into that situation. Even though he's now hurt, he's been he saw that as like I don't know, like some type of booster, and he's taken it all the way to the moon. Like point nine four one is great, and he is really helping Vegas out a ton. But let's move on to our next segment, the NHL standings and debrief over them. Let's start with the North Division, the Canadian Division. Toronto Maple Leafs are in first place with 34 points. Then right behind them is the Edmonton Oilers with 28 points. Then Winnipeg in third with 27 points. Then Montreal with 23. Calgary with 22. Vancouver with 18. And the Ottawa Senators with 15 points. I mean, here we got Toronto running away with it. It's not even like they have a ton more games played than everyone else. In fact, they have the they're tied for the third least games played. Right, Edmonton right behind them. They have one more game played than them. They they have a point seven seven three point percentage, which is ridiculous. Ottawa seven fifteen and one. I mean, what did you expect? Everything else in the middle, everything you know, kind of shaking up a bit. Montreal's really falling off. Uh, a couple big losses to Ottawa, which we will talk about later. And Winnipeg, Edmonton, you know, in the playoff positions. Yeah. And also, like, Vancouver and Calgary have been falling a significant amount. And then also, going back up to Toronto, they only have four losses so far this season. And then you compare that to the bottom of the division with Ottawa with only fifth, with 15 losses, really is putting things into perspective. And it's also the stats here are, are a little bit skewed because they only play each other. Like, these teams don't play anyone else in the league. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to watch the playoffs because, I mean, here it looks like Toronto is clearly the best team in the NHL, but is that just because they're not playing as good teams as teams in the East Division? Is that because, you know, like, I'm really excited to see the Final Four in the NHL. Like, oh, I cannot wait for that. So, yeah, next up we got the Central Division. First place, no surprise, we got Tampa with 29 points. Next up we got Florida, also with 29 points. Then we got Carolina with 27. In fourth place, rounding out the playoffs, we got Chicago with 26. Fifth place, we got Columbus with 21. Sixth place, we got Nashville with 18. Seventh, we got Detroit with 17. And eighth, we got Dallas with 16. I mean, here, us just reading off the standings doesn't really do justice to Dallas because Dallas has seven less games played than Detroit, um, but they're, they're one point behind them. 
they it's just yeah i mean here it's, it's a little difficult for this division because this division got uh struck in with covid i guess you could say so yeah. all the numbers are a little bit skewed but overall we're starting to see the really shape of the division tampa florida carolina and then the rest is a dogfight yeah and like you said with tampa florida and carolina they've also have two games played less than fourth and fifth place chicago and columbus and yet they're still leading because like tampa and florida they both only have four losses and Tampa with a 0.763 win percentage, which is extremely well right now. And But then again, they're still stuck in this division. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the West Division. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are in first with 25 points. Then the Minnesota Wild is in second place. They jumped with 24 points. Then tied with them is the St. Louis Blues also with 24. It's a point behind with 23 points is the Colorado Avalanche. Then the LA Kings is in fifth with 22 points. The Arizona Coyotes with 21 points. Then the Anaheim Ducks with 17 and the San Jose Sharks with 16 points. Big surprise here with Minnesota. They really popped off, really disturbed the Vegas-St. Louis-Colorado balance. Alike to what uh, the Kings were threatening to do last week, but uh, we're seeing a little bit of falling with um, St. Louis as they're tied, even though they've been still playing great. But this division is just getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, Minnesota. We were talking about the big, right? The all the conversations in this division are about the big three: Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, and who's going to squeak into fourth place and get whooped by the one seed. Minnesota's in second, and it's not because they have a ton more games played than everyone else. In fact, they're tied for the second least games played. Uh, the only person, the only team they have uh, more games played is than is Vegas. They have one more game played and one less point than them, but they have the same amount of points as uh, St. Louis, and they have uh, three less games played, and then same amount of games played as Colorado, but one more point. So Minnesota, I mean, playing phenomenally. What they're on like six game win streak or something, just insane like geez it is big surprise here i think really those four teams are going to make the playoffs i can't see the kings taking over colorado whatever arizona anaheim san jose i just really don't think any of them can beat out colorado st louis vegas and i do think minnesota will hold on unless they have like a big collapse yeah well we did say similar things last week when the los angeles kings basically did a similar thing breaking into those top three zones and now we see minnesota doing it now so i think the kings do stand a chance here as they are nine seven and four right now with but with 20 games played but they they're gonna have to win a lot of close games to really nudge into the playoffs and if they do kick someone out, Colorado seems to be a little bit falling behind, but they've played a bit less games. So we'll yeah. see how it works out. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean the games in the, these divisions are exciting too. It's not like those four teams or, or five teams are just blowing out the other ones. Yesterday, Vegas beat San Jose. The scoring went 1-0, 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, 3-2, 3-3, 4-3, 4-4. Five five. Sorry, five four, five five, six five, six six, seven six. That was the score line for St. Louis and San Jose. St. Louis ended up winning seven six, but I mean that was close against San Jose. Honestly, I could see St. Louis missing the playoffs here. Yeah, me too. And I there, I do think those four teams are like locks. But if there is one team, I do think it is St. Louis. A little bit of a surprise. Yeah, and also like they're 
Tory Krug has not been performing, scoring goals at the level they expected him to bring him in. And losing Petrangelo seemingly has hurt them a good amount. But this division is close, and every team here is going to have to go on some sort of win streak if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, and not to mention also for St. Louis, losing Jake Allen as a backup, so Bennington has to start more, and Bennington isn't looking too, too well. And also Tarasenko being out too, so... I don't know. We'll we'll see how this division shapes out. But for now, we're going to move on to the east of the. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. It. So there was just a little bit of drama, like um, with Jordan Bennington. He went around the ice like a couple games ago. Got into a big of a fight. Started like trash talking people. Starting throwing some fake punches. And I believe, um, who was it? Who was? I think it was the Minnes. Yeah, yeah. It was Devin Dubnik of the Sharks who like said he called him out for being like 165 pounds and told him to get off the ice after that. It was a little strange to see. Yeah. Cause I mean, Bennington's throwing punches or this is what uh, Dubnik saying Bennington's throwing punches, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, all right, stop acting tough. Like you're not tough. You're what? Like 165. Everyone else is significantly heavier than you. It can knock you out and punch. Yeah. The exact quote is, um, I don't know why he's skating around pretending to punch guys. I told him to get off the ice. He's 165 pounds swinging at guys, fake punching guys. So, well, there's clearly some drama there. Maybe things are not as stable at St. Louis as we think. Yeah. And, uh, that quote, I'm not nervous or I don't get nervous or whatever from playoffs two years ago. Not, not, not holding up too well, but we will move on. Uh, we're going to move on to the East Division with, in first place, we got Washington with 26 points. Second place, we got Boston with 24 points. Third place, we got the New York Islanders, I remember to say the team this time, with 24 points. Fourth place, we got Philly with 23. Fifth place, we got Pittsburgh with 23. Sixth place, we got the Rangers with 17. A little bit of a drop-off there between the Rangers and the Penguins. Seventh place, we got New Jersey with 16. Eighth place, we got Buffalo with 15. I mean... Uh, Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, Boston, Washington, the five teams, four of those five are going to make the playoffs. There's going to be one very upset team because all five of those teams are phenomenal. Boston did win today, but we're we're not going to talk about that. And uh, a little bit before, they lost 7-2 to the Rangers and then 6-2 to the Islanders back-to-back. It was not looking too good. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, wait. Was that the other way around? Yes. Yeah, that was the other way around. My bad. But, uh, yeah, anyways – get the point some big losses from the Bruins here and uh their team did not look too good so even though we're not supposed to talk about the game settings after it gets confusing they did play today and they did shake up their lineup a lot they put McKagan in for Wagner they put who else they put in they put in Camphor from John Moore who's playing horrible like I'm sorry John Moore you're just not playing yeah, well he there. was he was not doing well but um a point I'd like to make here is that I would not really count the Rangers out, even though, yes, they out there six points behind Pittsburgh with one game less played. I wouldn't count them out based off how well they've been playing. They've had tough games against Washington, who's leading this division, and then also Boston, who they destroyed a, a couple nights ago. And they've been putting up fights against every other team. They just A lot of the games they've been losing have been close games, but injuries keep running up to them. And also the whole Panarin situation is really catching up to them. But I wouldn't count them out so quickly. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, but I'm counting them out. Uh, we got Georgiev going down today. He came back, but I don't know, maybe a little bit shaken up. We got Panarin out. We got, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't think they'll be able to catch up six points and one less game played than Philly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I still do think Boston will win this division. I'm trying not to be biased, but they, they I mean, they almost have the highest point percentage, just close between them and Philly. Philly's Actually, it might be Boston now. I'm, I'm not too sure. But anyways, from before these games, it was Philly. I do think Boston was still uh, winning the division because they did have four out of their six starting defensemen out. They also had Krejci out. So I think once all those players get back, Boston's just going to be chugging along and just really winning all these games. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so too. But let's for now move on to our up team of the week. I'm going to go ahead and take the Minnesota Wild. I think it's the obvious choice. They won all three of their games. First with a 6-2 to two win over the Avalanche, who have been dominant recently. And then also, Paris, he gets his 800th goal of his career. So congratulations. Then, all, then the next game, they go ahead and shut down the Kings. They just closed off their odd streak. with They scored three goals in a span of three minutes and three seconds in the end of the first period and really just shaking up quick after he's been playing so steadily. And then... And then by the end of the game, sadly, Talbot missed the shutout because they let in a goal about three minutes to go in the third. And then the next day, they win an overtime thriller against those same Kings. And then Matt Dumba got the overtime goal and an assist early. And the points that game were really spread around to 10 different players over the course, I think it was four goals. And then also over this week, they've been dominating the first period. With the, between those games all in the first period, they got six goals scored and no goals allowed. Wow. Uh, that is, I mean, some phenomenal play by the Wild. First period, really setting the tone, really taking the lead there, taking charge, and then just shutting down their opponents, just playing really, really well. I do agree with you. My up team of the week is also the Wild for the exact same reasons. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov playing extraordinarily well for them, their whole team just playing well. Goaltending situation, they lost Dubnik. You might be thinking, like, what are they going to do? Well, they're playing well. You know, they got their guys and they're playing pretty well, but I'm going to move on to the down team here, which we were talking about before, actually, with Claude Julien getting fired. I'm going to go with the Montreal Canadiens. After such a hot start, they lost all three um, and a couple losses, or shot a loss to the Senators. Just terrible play by them recently. Just, I, I mean, I guess it was bad enough that Mark Bergevin and the rest of their front office decided to fire their coach, Claude Julien, who, I mean, they were playing really, really well before, but since then, in their last eight games played, they're one, four, and three. So just not playing well at all. Do I think really a coaching change is going to do this? Nah, you'll find out in a question of the week. <laughs> I'm sorry, I knocked over my mic. It's okay. Yeah, I also picked the house because they lost in a shootout to the Senators, and then they just took bad game after bad game. I think that they lost a bunch of times against the, um, I believe it was the Jets. Yeah, they lost on Saturday in overtime to the Jets, and then two days before that, they uh, they lost 6-3 to three against the Jets. Carey Price, he's been playing well, but can't seem to lead the, the team to wins recently. I mean, Price has contributed his, like, not playing well to, like, really the mental game. He's not saying he's physically slowing down, but it's hard. I mean, it's very difficult. The good thing for the Canadians is they did acquire Jake Allen from the Blues in the offseason to help out Price when they need him, you know. 
have probably start those big games, but Canadians just keep losing, and it's it's hard for them. It's just it's hard to watch, honestly. All right, Tyler Toffoli, his production slowing down too. Just the whole team not playing too well. Yeah. But for now, let's move on to our lineup of the week. Uh, I think players here have been really shaking up. I think I've only included two of these guys on my lineup before yet this season. I got Chris Kreider. He has four goals, one assist in two games. Drake Batherson, he has three goals, two assists in three games. Then Matt Zuccarello, who has one goal, three assists in three games. And Chris Letang, two goals, three assists in three games. And then John Carlson, who I've included in previous weeks, with five assists in three games. And with my goalie, I'm going to go with Vasilevsky with zero goals allowed, two games, and 45 saves. Yeah, um, I, I agree with almost all of your picks, but I'm actually going to go with Carl Soderberg instead of Matt Zuccarello with two goals, three assists, and three games for the Chicago Blackhawks playing well. Uh, yeah, I mean, all these players playing really well. John Carlson, I think, even though there's players with better stats uh, in this lineup, I'm going John Carlson just as my real like player player of the week he he knows what he has to do on defense he's an offensive defenseman he did this in the beginning of last year too and all he's got to do is dish the puck give it over do whatever make some nice passes and the capitals will the capitals win when john carlson plays well and he's playing well the capitals are winning yeah he's definitely been playing really well yeah but let's move on to our question of the week for this week my question for you leo what effect will firing Claude Julien have on the Montreal Canadiens? Well, I mean, personally, I just think it's a horrible firing by them. I think it's just not going to be good. Yes, they are one and seven, or one, four, and three in their last, or one, three, and four in their last eight games. I understand, but every team has rough patches. Every great team has rough patches. And I feel like, look, it's not like Claude Julien's done a bad job. Claude Julien's done a great job up until then. And if they fire Claude Julien and then don't do well with the interim head coach, then all they do is lose, lose Claude Julien and then kind of mess everything up, right? Because they already have their system in place with Julien and blah, blah, blah. Right? Like, I understand we've seen this in the past. I saw this with the Blues with Craig Berube coming in, right? They're dead last. Berube comes in, brings up Bennington. And then when they stand on the top, right? Great, great Cinderella story. But I don't think firing Julien is going to make Carey Price play better. And it's not like they're going to put – um. Oh, he played for North. Wait, their guy played for Northeastern. I'm trying to think. Oh, All right, anyway, oh. I'll think about this in a sec. Okay, Caden Primo. It's not like they're gonna call up Caden Primo from the minors to replace Price and Jake Allen. Like, just they're just not gonna do that. Firing the coach isn't gonna make Price play better. It's not gonna make the. It might make the team play better, but I think what's gonna happen is it's gonna. This is either gonna be really, really good for them or really, really bad. And I think there's a way higher chance that it's really, really bad. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you that this was a bad decision and it's going to end up poorly. But like, I just don't really get their reasoning so much behind it because like these the people who are in charge, they're experienced. They they or I thought they knew what they were doing <laughs> until now, but obviously they probably know more than us. But what what I think is it's a bad idea because you can't just like fire a coach and expect magically everything's going to go yay better because we fire the coach, everything's going to be better because uh coach who hasn't been playing well for the last two weeks is better than no coach at all. And it's not a hundred percent Claude Julian's fault for all this because he's not the one out there on the ice playing. It's all the players there too, but obviously the coach does have a large impact and he's been underperforming, but 
they just totally seem to have forgotten about how he was playing in the beginning of the season. He was on fire and the Habs were amazing. Now, not so much because every, like you said, every good team has their rough moments. And I think, I think the, the Habs really showed um, some signs of weakness once they hit a little bit of a rough patch. Yeah, I mean, Toffoli is not playing as well as he used to be. Price isn't as playing as well as he should be. And I just think, I don't know if firing Julian is just going to make them play better. I just think they're firing Julian and getting rid of a coach. Yeah. I think it'll be bad for them. But I also could think it could be very, very good for them. Although I really don't think that'll happen. I either think it'll be really, really good or really bad. And I, I'm leaning towards really bad. Yeah. And also in the last three games, which they lost all three, two of those losses were in overtime. So like, and a puck could just bounce the wrong way and end it in, in overtime. So, well, th- thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Abe Lovich. This is Leo Blonner. We are Twigs on the Rocks and have a great night.